What's up, FCA? Y'all doing all right? Y'all doing all right? Hey, uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, I think I get the honor of uh, preaching to you in person in a building for the first time this year, right? Is that true? Well, praise God for that. Praise God for that. My name's Will Plunk, uh, like has been said. Um, I uh, am also a Clemson graduate, and so I went to FCA all four years of my life, or all four years of my life. Uh, I'm four years old, it turns out, um, but all four years of my college career, and um, uh, I, I'm always encouraged driving back through Clemson, um, coming to Clemson's FCA, and uh, seeing college students who really are... Uh, um, in love with Jesus, uh, trying to encourage and challenge each other, and owning real responsibility. Like, uh, that, that uh, invigorates my soul when I see uh, college students who have already caught the Holy Ghost, and uh, they're just owning things, and uh, not wanting to just come and just simply consume, but actually to produce for their faith, to realize that it's an active one, and your leadership team at FCA has definitely done that this year. Uh, I think they need a round of applause to be real with you. And the reason I, the reason I say that is because they're, I mean, I, I've got the chance to come back and teach here a handful of times, uh, but never has a team had to live through this uh, and organize the way they have. So that's been real special. Um, but like I said, my name's Will Plunk, went to Clemson. Uh, I pastor a church plant meaning a church start in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, we've been at that work now for just over two years. And uh, praise God, uh, the church is still there. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, we actually, uh, uh, God has really been very gracious to us. And um, I do want to do just give a quick plug because um, one of the things God put on our heart real clearly uh, when it came to a church was really, we wanted to go start a church, not because we feel like we had all this special mojo we wanted to go throw on the Charleston area, but instead because uh, our life had been so changed uh, by the local church. God had just used it as a conduit in which he decided to uh, challenge me in some real ways, teach me how to be a, a, a man, teach me how to be a father, teach me how to pray, teach me how to come to the scriptures and to realize that that book that I get to teach from tonight is not just true, but it's powerful. It's, it's not just good, but it's life-changing. And when you really don't just hear it, but do it, and allow it to get into your feelings and your thoughts and your actions, it really does change you. And so I had that experience uh, at a church. We wanted to go start one, and uh, God's been gracious to us. But what I want to tell you guys is about this internship thing uh, we got this summer. So we've, we've done it once before. Uh, we had six interns. Three of them uh, were from Clemson. One was your man, Kiwan, even a little note card right there. We got him shooting basketball. I'm sure he missed but um, on the back, <clears throat> but he was with us this past summer, which was cool, and uh, for us, just I, I want to tell you, because it's really not for everybody, it's just for a couple people, and, uh, but here's what it is. For us, uh, this internship is about creating self-awareness by putting a lot of pressure and hard work on college students, where they can actually fail, uh, where they get real ministry experience, they get, to, they get to go out there, figure out what their gifts are. So that's, that's part of it. The other part is we desire for people to be biblically literate. I'm talking about biblically literate. 
And uh, so even as we're going to talk about politics tonight, that's what we're talking about, how to be biblically literate when we approach all areas of life because we have uh, uh, the Word of God, which is good for teaching. But then here are two things that are really core to us. Uh, We're very justice-minded. We believe that justice is at the center and the heart of the Scriptures. And so we as a church want to just not speak good, but live well, realize justice, like, Matthew, or like Jesus says in Matthew, that it's one of the weightier matters of the law. This is an important thing to God, and so what does it mean to go actually live that in this world, and then lastly, to be uh, culturally competent. So wherever you are, we would desire for you to actually become cross-culturally uh, competent, because we believe God's heart for the church is actually unity, and unity can exist in uniformity. It has to exist in diversity. Diversity must include ethnicity and generation and spiritual gift and personality, all the Enneagrams, y'all. Like, that's what we're talking about. Uh, According to 1 Corinthians 12, it needs all of that for the building up of the body. So that's what we do. Uh, If you're interested, we'll pass out some note cards. If you're not, it's cool too. Um, So we doing politics tonight. How y'all feel? I hope you feel good. I feel real confident in our country right now, right? You know what I'm saying? Real confident, real confident as I sit here or stand here tonight um, having thought that we would know who our president uh, was going to be, but uh, I checked it right before I came up and we still don't know. Uh, So don't shout out, don't look at your phones and be like, hey, he won, like in the middle. Uh, That's not what we're here for tonight. Um, But uh, we are going to be talking about it and I think it is a very, very important subject, uh, probably for a lot of uh, the reasons you don't think. Um, But I think it's a very important subject. Uh, One of the reasons, and this is pretty obvious, but anybody think politics is divisive? Let me see some hands. Yeah, most of us potentially do. And I think a lot of people really withdraw from um, the conversation because of that. When I lived in Clemson, when I was at Clemson, I lived in a house, and it was one of those typical guy houses, you know what I'm saying? So like, we are seven of us in this house. You walked in, it was hardwood floors. We actually had skateboards hung up right there, and then we had a quarter pipe, for real, in the house. So you would come in, grab a skateboard, and just do your thing, and go up and drop the quarter pipe onto the sofa. Like, that's how we rolled at our house. Um, there was a pool table, lofted sofas. It was just uh, great, and... Um, my now wife, who did start dating me in college, I remember her being like, man, that place is like, it's soiled. That's the word she'd be, soiled. I was like, yeah, it is, it's bad, I guess, but soiled? What does that even really mean? And, uh, but it was, it was dirty, you know what I'm saying? But like one of the places in my house, though, uh, there was actually black mold growing. And um, for me, as a very passive college student, I saw that it was growing, um, but I would try to just put it out of my mind because I was like, I don't, how do you deal with black mold? Y'all know you could have helped me then. I didn't know at the time. So like, I didn't do anything. Um, but one of the things that happened when I was in that house is I would constantly, constantly get these colds and sinus infections. And, uh, and I was like, you know, I'm getting all these sinus infections. And I just thought maybe I got some allergies or something like that. Got out of the house, graduated, got that little thing on my shoulder. You know what I'm talking about? Like where you get tested for what you're allergic to. None of y'all got that. Oh, y'all look at me like crazy. Maybe it's because you got masks on. And, uh, but I got tested, and I had nothing. And it turns out what? It turns out that it, the reason I was getting sick wasn't because I had allergies. It was the 
black mold, right? Like, and here's the thing is I wasn't doing anything about it, so it was growing and it was making me sick. It was killing me. And here's why I think it's so essential to talk about politics as Christians is because when we don't do anything about it, when we don't learn how to engage around the subject, when we don't learn how to take our views and, and ask God about them, the truth is the world isn't getting more sane and neither is the church. Neither is the church. The church is becoming more divided, and what's happening is Satan is using it as a tool to completely tear down the church. I mean, I can't tell you how many Christian leaders I've heard say things like, if you did not vote Republican, then you cannot be a Christian. And then I know other people who are saying, like, if you did not vote Democratic, then you are a racist. And you see people saying these with absolute certainty, right? Absolute certainty. But what I want to do today is to look at what the scriptures say, because here's the truth. If we let the world, you should write this down, if you let the world give us our labels, we end up using the Bible rather than listening to it. If we let the world give us our labels, we end up using the Bible rather than listening to it. And I think a lot of what's happening right now is a lot of people using the Bible rather than simply listening to it. We're gonna be in Genesis chapter one, but before we get there, I do wanna read this verse because it truthfully sets the stage as you think about a conversation like politics. This is 1 Peter chapter two, verse nine says this. But you are, listen, but you is for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ and allowed him to fully transform us. And he says, but you, so, that, so you isn't for you unless you are a person who truly believes that Jesus is your savior and your Lord and because he's done both the saving and the lording over you that you're now a new woman or man in Christ. But you are a chosen people. Everybody say chosen. A royal priesthood. Say priesthood. A holy nation. Say nation. A people belonging to God that you may declare the praise of him. What's our purpose? To declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. I hear, want to tell you something just off the bat. Uh, some people say you can't be a Christian and vote Republican or you can't be a Christian and vote Democrat. What I want to tell you is you can't be a Christian and have not been called out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. That's what I know. That's what I know. I should be getting some amens up on that because, like, that's what I know, and that's foundational. And the truth is, when, I, when we say politics, lots of walls are already going up. I just know that that's inevitable, uh, inevitably going to happen. But we cannot really engage in the conversation authentically unless we first realize that our fundamental identity, again, for those of us who that you applies to us, is in Christ is in Christ, that we are in him, we are a nation in him, that we have truly been people, again, for those of you who, who have got to taste the sweetness of Jesus, that like, you're new, you're different, your affections have changed. Like, like this conversation, this teaching is not gonna make any sense unless you first go, you know what, if the Bible said this, then I would change my opinion. Would you? If the Bible said it, would you change your opinion? 
Some of you are like, I don't know, Will, what you about to say. You know, I'm like, what you about to like, but would you? Like that, that's gotta be the truth. And here's the truth. If the Bible has not changed your opinion about something, then Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Because if you think, if you think your mind was already renewed by the blood of Jesus before you met Jesus, you crazy. You for real crazy. Like, because what Jesus does is he takes people who are in darkness. And because he shed his blood and it washed over us, he makes us clean. And in our cleanness, now we walk in light. And so we trust him. So again, for those of you who are not willing to embrace that kind of idea, the truth is, you know, you can, you can, no, don't leave. But like, but it this ain't going to make no sense to you. You're not going to like nothing I say. And you're just going to disagree with everything. But if you're willing to just say, okay, what does it really mean? And I think that if we can actually come to the scriptures and listen, listen to it, rather than try to get our ideas and put it in the scriptures, I truly believe we can have a Christian witness in this world that would be otherworldly because it turns out we're from another world. Amen. Let me pray one more time. We jump into Genesis chapter 1, the creation account. Lord Jesus, um, I do just thank you for who you are. And I just want to pray before we talk about politics, I just know there's people in this room right now who have not come out of darkness and into wonderful, marvelous light. And so I just pray you would, Holy Spirit, speak, compel, convict, challenge, and call. I pray you would call, and I pray we would come. But I pray for those of us who are very certain that we're in light, and we are that we would know that walking in light means that the light gets into all of us, that every single thought in our mind must be captured by you, gets to be captured by you and transformed and renewed by you, like you say in Romans 12, and that it would be, and that it would be for me and it would be for everyone in this space tonight. So won't you renew us? Won't you renew us? Won't you grow us all? like you want to do. All God's people said. So Genesis 1 is beautiful. Genesis 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. What it says in Proverbs is he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and he stood firm. He's the only one who speaks and then things just happen. We all use materials to make things happen, but he speaks and it comes to be. He speaks and there's light. He speaks and there's water. He speaks and there's ground. He speaks and there's vegetation. He speaks and it comes to be. But then something happens that's very different. And if you look at uh, how it reads, it says God says and then it is, right? Like up until this point, verse 3, and then God said, let there be light, and then there was light. And that's how everything was. God just speaks it. God just speaks it. And you kind of see the Father God acting. But then in verse 26, again, something changes. Look, it says, then God said. That starts the same, but it goes, let us, everybody say us, make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over all the livestock and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So the thing that's different in verse 26, God says, let us. 
up until this point, is not, he's not said that. He's not said let us. So what's happening right here is actually crazy because the Father God, the God of the universe, is stopping. And he's like, hey, listen. And he's like talking to his boys. You know who his boys are? Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So really what he's doing is he's, he's looking and, and you see a Trinitarian moment where all three persons of the Trinity are saying, hey, let us do something different. And what do they do? They make man in their image. In their image. Listen, y'all, this is, this is beautiful. And you might have heard it before, but you need to hear it again because of how important it is for us as we talk about politics. Is that we are made in the image of God. That word image and likeness, as you follow it through the Old Testament, it's the same word used of idols, false idols that are used to worship false gods. So it's as if God is saying, let me make an idol, and it's going to be people. What is an idol? An idol is when you look at a thing, you're reminded of something else. And it's wrong to worship anything uh, as though it is God because only God is God. And what it says in, in the Ten Commandments is that he, he commands us not to make any other idols, right? Not even of him. I wonder if that's because there already are and they're us. He's stamped us and cemented us with the image of God. Here's what that means, y'all. What it says in Psalm 19:1, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. The sun shoots across the sky and you see it burning with power, but what this means is that you bear the image of God, you display the glory of God more than the sun. Isn't that dope? Seriously. I'm talking like the most powerful things you see shooting in the sky. You bear the image of God more than it. And that's what the idea is, that we are image bearers. What does this mean real practically? It means that every woman, man, every ethnicity made in the image of God, lame and crippled, made in the image of God, of God, old and young made in the image of God, LGBTQ made in the image of God, Republican made in the image of God, Democrat made in the image of God, Donald Trump made in the image of God, Joe Biden made in the image of God, Lindsey Graham, Jamie Harrison, y'all, everyone is made in the image of God, which means they display the image more than the sun. It's distinct. It's distinct. And that's a powerful truth for us to think about. Because what does that mean, fam? It means that when we even engage in the idea of politics, we have to ask ourselves this question, where are image bearers involved and how am I treating them? Where are image bearers involved and how am I treating them? Because according to this scripture, every human being is made in the image of God, whether we agree with them, whether they're the most crazy, radical, liberal you've ever met, or the most staunch conservative, they're both made in the image of God. So we got to treat them like that. 
We have to treat them like that. Y'all, listen, I got three kids. If you mess with one of my kids, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to feel these hands, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want to mess with my kids. Like, my wife, she's over there. She's five foot four. You mess with her kids. She's going to be like 6'10 on you, just jumping up on you. You don't want to mess with her kids. Why? Because they are our kids in our image, and, and they're us. The beautiful thing about our God is that every human being is like that. Every human being is like that, made in the image of God. And it's essential for us as we engage in politics, because here's the truth. Like, when we talk about how we talk in about politics and how we engage in this, it's just sometimes it's so crazy. Politics, that word is the Greek, it comes from the Greek word polis, which means city, and it's with, which means city, and politics just has to do with the governing of a city, so the governing of image bearers. So as we're talking about politics, that is what we are talking about. So the first thing I want to ask you, though, is this, is like, what is your talk like? How, do you, how are you engaging with people verbally around the idea of politics? And are you treating them like image bearers when you engage with them? Listen to this quote. I think it's helpful from C.S. Lewis. So you know I'm a for real Christian. It says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors, uh, horrors of everlasting splendors. It says, it is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another. All of my friendships, all of my loves, all of my plays, and all of my politics. And here is the truth. I just believe, like with, when I look out and I see the way Christians are speaking, I'm like, you cannot, you cannot see a difference in the way Christians speak and the way people in the world are speaking. A lot of times there is no difference between those things, but what it says in the scriptures, James 3, 9 says this, with the tongue, get this, listen, this is a good one for Clemson FCA. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, that same tongue, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. You see, even James is going back to Genesis 1 and saying we have to speak as though people are made in God's likeness. 1 John 4.20 says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, get this, cannot love God whom they have not seen. James, I mean, or John just hits it he, real plain. He's like, you can't even say you love God and then hate people. Because we're all made in the image of God. So you can disagree adamantly and even passionately with people. But to curse them, according to this text, is to curse God and to claim to love God and to hate somebody who disagrees with you politically is actually to hate God. Y'all know that? That means you don't have the right to say, I hate Donald Trump or I hate Joe Biden. You ain't got the right to say that. Not according to 1 John chapter 4. All made in the image of of God. Here's another thing, though, I believe that's very important. Very important is that we should be loving, again, because these are image bearers, when we think about politics, we got to be loving people over policy. We got to be loving people 
over policy. Why? Because those people are made in the image of God. The policy is not. You feel me? The policy is not. You know what else isn't? The economy is not made in the image of God. People are. People are. So we can care about the economy. That's all right. But we have to care about it as it relates to people. Why? Because people are made in the image of God. Okay? So what this means with all of these these issues that people term as political, what, we, what I believe one of the main reasons why Christians dialogue with this so terribly and really just people in the world is because we actually don't know the people at the back end of that policy. You know what I'm saying? You feel what I'm saying? I'm saying like we got strong opinions sometimes about sexuality. Strong opinions. We don't know anybody significantly in the LGBTQ plus community. So much so that sometimes you see things happen like where a Christian has these strong, passionate convictions about sexuality, having actually not known where they come from in the scriptures. There are opinions that need to be gathered in the scriptures, but a lot of times we don't know where they come from. We just heard a pastor say something one time. I'm saying, no, you need to go to the scriptures for that. But we got these strong opinions, and then a friend or a family member comes out as gay. And then we throw those opinions to the wind. Or we go, I don't know what to believe anymore. But what that reveals is that our opinion was never really even based on the word of God to begin with, but it was actually based on bigotry. Man, listen. Because when it's based on the word of God, regardless of agreement, when someone says something, when someone comes out, as gay, or someone ex- expresses same-sex attraction, people who are rooted in the scriptures are going to bring both truth and grace, because Jesus in John 1 came full of both of them, and they will know how to apply those things with the, to the person with grace. You know, racial justice has been a big topic of conversation politically in the world, and um, I'll not forget, because um, after the murder of George Floyd, uh, our staff uh, got together that Wednesday after, and instead of a staff meeting, we just had uh, really a time to pray, and we read some scripture, and we just kind of talked and shared stories, and our staff's pretty multi-ethnic, and so uh, it was you know, pretty diverse, this conversation, and we had it, and there was a lot of emotion, but I'll never forget, because a couple of uh, months later, one of our white uh, male staffers, he said, you know, like, I know there's a lot of controversy about racial justice right now. He goes, but for me, it'll never just be a philosophy anymore because I was in the room with my black brothers and sisters and I saw the way they felt. He's like, so it'll always be people. That don't mean he has to have this opinion or that opinion. It just means now whatever opinion he has, you know how he applies that truth? with much more compassion and grace. And that's what this means for us. We gotta know people, we gotta know the police officer. Now I'm looking at the room, it's pretty obvious, even in the dark, and you gotta know some black people. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I can tell y'all white even in the dark. Y'all glow, y'all glow. I'm just messing, but like, hey, I'm half white too, fam. so, like, 
But that's the thing is like you have, we have to really know people. And I just want to challenge y'all, challenge us to not be so passionate before we know people. Before we know those image bearers, because that's what our scripture says, like let's not be so passionate before we know people. And let's make sure that the wind doesn't, get this, shipwreck the witness. Because a lot of times we're so passionate about the wind, we'll throw out our Christian witness to get the wind. Image bearers. This is a beautiful truth because it means that everyone crossed whatever aisle, like there's beauty in them. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's beautiful. And I would even say like that's why we should be careful when we pass on like lots of these memes that are being sent out a lot. Like this, there's just tons of memes everywhere. But like I would just even say, let me say this actually, like eventually we'll know who won. And like let's just be careful with how the way we talk afterwards. Because there are going to be people who feel sad and people who feel happy. And we got to recognize that regardless of where they are, these people are made in the image of God. And with all of our communication, we must show respect in the way that we talk to them and love them. But image bearers is, is the idea. But look at this, because this is like the crucial point that actually helps us understand politics. And why Genesis 1, some people have even said this could be seen as a political theology. Again, politics just simply means city, but politics really has to do with the governance of a city. So, so again, we're image bearers, right? We're image bearers. You're, you're made in the image of God. And, uh, but here's, here's the crazy thing, is because that idea has caused many uh, theologians and people to debate on a, uh, uh, for centuries, truthfully, on what does it really mean to be made in the image of God? Like, think about it. Like, what does it really mean that you were made in the image of God. Like, what does that actually mean? What we see in Genesis chapter 6 is this. Then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, and over all the earth and over the creatures that move along the ground. So let me say it again. trying to help you learn how to read your Bible too. So, uh, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them, or so that, they may, what's the word? Rule. Everybody say rule. So the crazy thing is we actually see in the text, at least in part, what it means to be made in the image of God. That we actually are, are vice regents, some commentators say, or we are like under rulers. But God actually designed you to rule. You know that? He designed you to do that, one commentator said, the whole storyline of the Bible is that God created a world to share in which he intended the rule through human beings. That's actually real cool. That, that this is one of the things it means for us to rule. But, but a lot of times you think about the word rule, it might have negative connotations to you because, because we've seen it so abused. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of us have experienced a lot of negativity through authority, but before you let that word go negative for you, I want you to look at verse, chapter 2, verse 15, and you see some of the manifestation of what rule is going to be. Then God took man and put him in the garden of Eve, Eden, to work it and to take care of it. 
So here we see commentary on what rule means. So what does rule mean? It means in part to work and to take care of something. It really means to tend something to maximize its potential. And that is a way that we bear the image of God and his likeness. That's one of the ways we are like God. Here's, here's kind of what I mean as an example. Like God made the whole world and he seeded it with all of this potential. So much so that like you go outside and, and, and trees, like an acorn drops, right? And it just grows, and you think, like, it's pretty incredible how God made the world, that, like, that little, like, a seed can produce something. So he put potential in things, right? Like, again, I have three kids. He put potential in my kids to be able to grow. My, my oldest just turned five today, right? Like, so I see her grow. But what happens if you take that baby home from the hospital with all of that potential, instead of a parent tending that child, ruling over that child, trying to maximize its potential, the parent just says, all right, and like leaves the child right there and walks away. Very morbid picture. Don't even think about it too much because you know what's going to happen, right? Because the child needs to be clothed. It needs to be fed. It, it needs to have diapers changed, like what the child needs with all that potential is actually someone to rule over that child and help the child become something it would not be had not it had parents to help the child flourish. And this is the idea that's rooted in Genesis 1 and 2, that, that God made us as, as image bearers who are supposed to help cultivate things to flourish to become what they would not otherwise be. So here's one of the things it means for us even to engage in politics, and one of the reasons why I want to have the conversation is because we are supposed to use all means to not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. We are people who are supposed to exercise, get this, our rule over things, to help them flourish and to become better. So here's the challenge for Christians. A lot of times Christians, or sometimes, we can kind of disattach ourselves from the political sphere. And we call ourselves apolitical, meaning not political. The funny thing, oddly enough, many of those people still will vote. So then you are still participating in some way. The sad reality of that is twofold. One is this, is it is okay for the church to be separate from the state, but it is not okay from your, for your politics to be separate from your faith. You hear what I'm saying? Why? Because Colossians 3 says, whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. So if we do anything, including politics, it has to be attached to our faith. We do not have the right to just say, you know what, I want to be a Republican. You actually don't have that right. You don't have the right to say, you know what? I kind of feel the Democrats. I'm going to be a Democrat. You don't have the right. You have the right to scour the scriptures and to be whatever you believe God is leading you towards. Man, you need to write that down. You think I'm kidding. I'm saying that. You know, we don't have that right. But here's, here's the point and the thrust of this text when it, when it comes to this idea of rule is the beautiful thing. This was not true when the New Testament was written, Right? With Caesar, this was not true. But the, the cool thing about our governmental structure as a constitutional republic, and you know, we say democracy, whatever, we get to participate, so that's the way it is a democracy, but it's a constitutional republic. The cool thing is we get a chance to participate by voting, right? And what we do when we do that is we are exercising our ruling. And what we're supposed to do in all areas of our life 
is try to rule in such a way where those things flourish and become more like how God intended them to be. Does that make sense? In all areas of our life, that's, I mean, I'm talking about like it, at, in school, in relationships, in church, and in politics, we get to participate in politics in such a way where we are trying our best to rule by exercising our vote, advocacy, things like this, in order to make things flourish to become more like the kingdom. Because even what Jesus tells us we're supposed to pray is thy will be done and thy kingdom come. And so what we do in all areas of our life is we try to make those areas look more like the kingdom of God. You hear? So like that, that's kind of how, again, we participate. But here's what I want to do, and I, I got to be quick. Because, because this stuff gets real broken. I just want you to see it. So Genesis chapter 3, that rule gets very corrupted. That's why we have a corrupted rule in this world. Like, you're wondering why politics is so divisive? Just read Genesis chapter 3. It's crazy divisive. And it's because Adam and Eve, instead of ruling to make things flourish in the way that God determines good and evil, you know what they start doing? They choose to take, eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, I'm trying to give you all theology super quick. But like, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what that is, it's a rejection of God's definition of good and evil. And they are now trying to be the self-determining factor of good and evil. So that's what's happening. They're rejecting God's definition. And they're starting to, to define it themselves. Right? So that's how brokenness gets in the world. And here's what, I want, here's what I want you to see. Whenever we as Christians actually start to define good and evil in our own standards, we're actually being like Eve and Adam in the garden rejecting God's rule. So if we choose what good and evil is, instead of look to God to define it, we are actually rejecting his authority. And here's what I see happening so much in politics. It's like America, and this is how we've been ingrained, and so it's hard to get it out of us, but Americans have been ingrained to think that we participate in politics for our own self-interest. And that is a great way for an American to participate in politics. But can I tell you something? That is a terrible way for a Christian to participate in politics. A Christian participates in politics, not for their own self-interest, but for God's interest, which is loving people. We don't have the, like, again, when we participate in politics to serve our own interests, we are being like Adam and Eve, in the garden, rejecting God. Instead, we have to come into that redemption that God gives us and go back to what he intends, which is we look to the scriptures to define good and evil, and that's how we participate. So what does that mean? Like a couple of things. And I, we did some of this with our church. I'm just going to give you some, um, some action steps to think through, um, especially like right now. I think when you're when you're engaging in politics, again, how God made it, you got to go, okay, where are image bearers involved and how are they being treated? You got to be clear about that. Where are image bearers involved and how are they being treated? But now you have to go to, if we're going to be uh, a political disciple of Jesus, we have to go, all of these opinions that I have, where do they come from? Where do they come from? Where in the scriptures does my opinion come from? And is my opinion more weighted 
then the scripture weights it. You hear me? Not everything is equal. So what, where do the scriptures talk about it? Like, again, we had our church. We're like, all right, like we started looking up immigration. We started looking up ethnicity and justice. We were, we were looking up uh, life. Like, we were looking these things up and talking about them in groups. And here's what we have to, like, here's how I believe we get this stronghold off of us, FCA, is you got to create safe spaces to say, what does it mean for me to be an image bearer, loving other image bearers, and trying to rule for, the, for God's good, God's glory, and people's good? So you got, we got to be able to have conversations, because if we don't have conversations and we just deny it and stuff it under the rug, you're going to be like me, dying of black mold in your dirty old house. And you don't want to be like that, I promise. Ben, you can come on up. But let me, let me hit you with this because here's, here's the thing that has served me, has served me uh, uh, really well, like, in light of this conversation. Because, again, it, it, it breaks, right? And as we're talking about politics, it's just, I think, again, it can be a very, very divisive thing. And what, what has happened is we look out into the world and, and we kind of see what's been done. We've seen so many people be hurt at the hands of politics. And we've seen so many people come to power at the hands of politics. And we've seen so much confusion at the hands of politics. And here's what I want you to know tonight. Is we have a God who is so good and so gracious that he is a God who gets his hands incredibly dirty and he comes to redeem it all. So when Jesus preaches, the first sermon Jesus preaches is not the gospel we typically think about. He says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says it's busting through and something new is coming and something's changing. And it's so radical in the message of Jesus, what happens is that he liberates the slave and he redeems the master. Like Jesus is so beautiful, he comforts the abused and he transforms the abuser. He saves the broken and he forgives the breaker. Like in Christ Jesus, what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, is we can become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And this is from God. And the beauty of this is when we come to the cross, regardless of our political affiliation, like, like he just, he washes that away and says your fundamental uh, identity is that you're a holy nation, a holy priesthood, like you're in me, you're new, and it's offensive because the, the gospel's offensive because he's like, you know what, like I died for those Democrats. And the gospel's offensive because like I died for those Republicans. The gospel's offensive because like I died for Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Like that's who Jesus is. And for us to be a different kind of witness in the world, we have to realize that regardless of who we are, regardless of our shame, regardless of how we identify, like we can come to Jesus and be made new. And so that's just my prayer for you. And one of the things I love, again, y'all got uh, a prayer and encouragement team who's gonna be around the room and y'all can get up at any time uh, during these next couple songs and just go pray with them. And I just encourage you, if you've been harboring any bitterness um, or confusion or not knowing what to do to just go to them and, and pray with them. Ask God to help you get clarity in a place maybe where it's been foggy and confusing. But more than anything, I just want to 
want to pray that you would take the step maybe because you hadn't ever been called or you haven't known what it's like to be called out of darkness and into marvelous light. And I just want to tell you, it is way better when your president is fundamentally Jesus and not whoever's about to win this election. It's way better when you're like, you know what, like America could fall apart, but the kingdom of heaven never will. And that does not abdicate our ability to engage. It actually amplifies it because we can engage with peace. And so I just want you to know it's better. Let me pray for us. We'll get to sing and respond. And again, thanks for letting me be here. Lord Jesus, um, I thank you. I thank you for being a God who makes all people in your image. And that regardless of what we're struggling with, regardless of how we identify, we've been made in your image. And for that, Lord Jesus, we thank you. (laughs) We thank you. I pray we would have the eyes that you have. The eyes that can see people the way they actually are. And that even as we engage on social media, like we would engage differently. That people would know there's something different about us and it wouldn't always be because the content of what we say is so different. Sometimes it'd be the way in which we say it. That even when we communicate something passionately we don't tear others down because we know how they're made but god for those who've who've again never been called never never got a chance to come out of that dark place into light we just we want to pray that tonight you'd call them tonight you'd bring them tonight you would you'd get you'd get a hold of their heart and their mind and maybe their legs and get them to stand up and maybe their hands and just show them that you are so good, you are so trustworthy right now as we look out to the world wondering who we can trust. And just some of that beauty and some of that goodness, may you just get it into like one person's mind or heart tonight. Just get it in there. Penetrate the barrier that's so easy for us to put up and get them, call them. Pray that in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. We love you. Amen.